0: Our text this morning, this is the opening of Paul's letter, uh, 2 Corinthians. We looked at the greeting last week. Now begins the body of the letter. And I want you to follow along in your Bibles. And again, I always encourage you not only to follow along, but uh, to take notes, to be a Bible marker. Um things that are striking to you. What's always been interesting to me over the years, it's not so much a custom anymore, but I'd visit older Christians. Uh, One thing one of my professors always said to me is, don't bring your Bible when you visit older believers, ask to use theirs. Because, and what I have found is when I have opened it and done that over the years, there are notes in the margin. You know, Pastor so and so preached this sermon on this text in you know, June of 1958, or whatever it was. And, and it's just a blessing for me to see how these older saints of the Lord uh, just reminded themselves of something God had said to them, of how God had spoken to them. Don't let your Bible be blank pages. Uh, find ways on your own in devotional time as well to mark it, to underline, uh, to jot something in the margin something that will stay with you, you can come back to it and be encouraged by it in the days to come. Second Corinthians chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 1, reading verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Just as 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the great love chapter in the Bible, Just as Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter in the Bible, so 2 Corinthians chapter 1 is the greatest text in the Bible focusing on comfort in the midst of afflictions. In fact, I I hope you noticed as I read just this brief text of five verses that Paul uses some form of the word comfort ten times. You can't miss the point of the passage. God is offering to us comfort in all the circumstances of life. And why is it that we need comfort? It's because life is filled with times of affliction, times of suffering. I want you to notice in this same paragraph, seven different times The Apostle Paul speaks of sufferings, plural, by the way. He speaks of affliction seven times in these five verses. If you go on to verse 8, beyond our text, Paul speaks about the afflictions we endured in the province of Asia. You can't miss the point of this text. And so I've entitled the message, Comfort in Affliction. There are undoubtedly, there is undoubtedly this morning, there are those of you here who are experiencing afflictions of various kinds. And what you need is the comfort that the Apostle Paul speaks of in this passage. By afflictions, I mean those things in life that go beyond the ordinary stresses and pressures that we all experience. I'm talking about something that ties your stomach in knots, something that fills you with overwhelming anxiety, something that makes for sleepless nights. Like the Apostle Paul, we have all, at one time or another, if not several times, been in the place of affliction and suffering. And the questions that come when afflictions come against us is so will the waves of pain and sorrow and fear will those things drown me in a sea of hopelessness and despair will I be overwhelmed by them will I go under so to speak how will I respond to these bitter and difficult circumstances in life will I respond with resentment with anger Is there a way of deliverance? Where is God in all of it? And if God is present, can I trust him with my future? Or this question sometimes comes to mind. Is there a divine purpose and meaning into what I'm experiencing or have I been struck by blind fate and just horrible bad luck? I've been a pastor now for almost 37 years, and I have been part of many wrenching experiences. It goes back to my very first day of pastoral ministry. My first official day of ministry was the 1st of September, 1985, at a Lutheran Brethren Church in Lesour. Minnesota. Several days before that September 1st date, I believe it was a Thursday, I was uh, busy unpacking boxes. We were getting settled into our house, getting settled into my office at the church when I got a call that a young man in the church by the name of John, 17 years old, had been uh, severely injured in a freak accident in the high school parking lot. He was rushed to the little hospital in town, very much like St. Andrew's here in Botno. He was rushed there. Mom, dad, I had a chance. He was still conscious, able to speak with him briefly. But a helicopter was called in, and uh, he was airlifted to Minneapolis. Well, the family, two other boys, mom and dad, were in no frame of mind to drive anywhere. And so I said to them, I've got the car, jump in, we're heading to Minneapolis. And so I went up Highway 169 as fast as I dared to go. And I got the family to North Memorial Hospital. And I came by the emergency exit, the emergency doors into the hospital, and I said, I'm going to drop you off here. I'll find a parking place somewhere. I'll meet you inside. And so I dropped them off at the door. I found the parking place. When I came to the emergency entrance doors, one of the elders who worked in the Twin Cities met me. And he said, uh, John didn't make it. He died on the way. The family needs you. You need to talk to them. What do you say? They're overwhelmed. I don't remember what I said. I stumbled through something. But on that first day of my ministry, on a Sunday afternoon, we had John's funeral. That's because it was mom and dad's 25th wedding anniversary. And the whole family was there for the 1st of September for the wedding anniversary. Since we're all here, let's have the funeral. I recall teaching a Sunday night confirmation class. I would teach the class at 6 o'clock, had evening service at 7. When a phone call came to the church... And the person who took the call interrupted my confirmation class and said, the head usher has committed suicide. A family member found him hanging in an outbuilding on the farm. They need you now. I recall sitting with a young couple from the church in the maternity ward in Minot at Trinity Hospital. The mother had just given birth, but the little child was stillborn. I was called to the hospital. There was mom in the bed. There was the little baby wrapped up in this beautiful blanket lying next to her. And she said to me through her tears, would you like to hold my little boy? I'll never forget it. And so I held that little newborn in my arms, and we both cried. There are many, many other stories like that I could tell you this morning. Stories of deep affliction, of trial, of great loss, of suffering, Stories marked by fountains of tears. I've had those times in my own life. I can remember clearly. 1971, summer. Our family had uh, taken a vacation to the East Coast. We loved to do that, see various historical sites, and it was always wonderful time. Our vacation was done, and um, my dad was to be the speaker at a Bible camp in eastern Ohio. So, we'd gotten up that morning, uh, gotten in the car, and were driving across Pennsylvania to Ohio. And while my dad was driving, he suffered a stroke behind the wheel. Didn't know at the time, it was a stroke, it was a relatively mild one, Uh, he surmised it was an allergic reaction to something he had eaten that morning for breakfast but he managed to get off the turnpike onto the shoulder and so got him out of the driver's seat got him into the back seat Um, my mom didn't have a driver's license i was 16 years old i was the only one who could drive in the family and so 16 years old i drove the rest of the way across pennsylvania on the turnpike And we got to our destination in eastern Ohio. My dad seemed to be feeling a little better. He still wasn't feeling right. Uh, He thought maybe just resting that night, things would be better. Uh, That night, actually, in the early morning hours, he suffered an extremely severe, nearly fatal, permanently disabling stroke. I can remember as clear as day, everybody on the campgrounds gathered in a huge circle. I can remember the ambulance coming. I can remember who led in prayer. My dad was taken to the local hospital. I can remember later that day seeing him there in the bed. That image is burned into my mind forever. He was 48, by the way. He never worked another day in his life. He was never able to come to a single other concert or program I ever had in my life from 16 years old onward. He died of cancer at the age of 75. Let me ask you when you're hurting, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Do you become aggressive and belligerent and hard? in an effort to hide the pain? Do you try to just stay busy all the time so you don't have to think about anything? Do you plunge into serious addictions of one kind or other? Do you retreat into isolation, not wanting anybody to be around at all? I hope you understand that all of those responses are just destructive dead-ends. So then, according to our text, this is what I'm leading to. How do you become strong in the broken places of life? Or to use Paul's words, in the midst of afflictions and sufferings, how do you experience comfort? There's much in this passage I want to say. I'm going to be coming back to this text a second time. But this morning, what I just want to say is this, that comfort comes... As you allow the Holy Spirit to direct your focus, direct your heart, your focus, away from the affliction to the God who is over all things, to direct your focus to God, who He is, and what He has done. I want you to notice we're going to be focusing particularly on verses 3 and 4. How does Paul describe God in verse 3? Notice what he says. He is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. As we know, afflictions are multifaceted. They come from any direction, every direction. We're not prepared for them But comfort comes from only one source, comes from only one person, and that is God himself. And in this connection, don't miss the threefold use of the word all. It's beautifully significant in this passage. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in some of our afflictions. No, in all of our affliction. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in, most of our versions have the word any, but it's the same Greek word as the previous two words, all. That we may be able to comfort those who are in all affliction. You notice that repetition. By by repeating that word, Paul reminds us that God pours out his comfort in abundance. All comfort is what he says. And he wants us to understand there is no trouble in life beyond God's mercy and comfort. But here's the question. What is the comfort that God promises and that he freely gives? I want you to understand this, because uh, one thing I want you to understand is, in, in the English language, the word comfort can lead us in the wrong direction in this passage. And what I mean by that is, over the centuries, the word comfort has gone soft in modern English. So, for example, we have down comforters, that's what we call them. A comforter is something soft. It is something cozy. It is something that just envelops you with warmth. We call it a comforter. And sometimes it's that image that comes to mind when we think about the comfort of God and how often it is that we associate the word comfort with the word comfortable. I looked up the word comfortable in my Webster's Dictionary. Here's what it says. Comfortable implies the absence of disturbing, painful, or distressing features. And it goes on to say the word comfortable stresses ease, contentment, freedom from care. Is that what God's promising us in our text? If he is, when have you ever experienced that? When have I ever experienced that? Never. I looked up the word comfort. Here's what it says, a state of ease and quiet enjoyment, free from worry, pain, etc. Wouldn't that be great? Anything that makes life easy or comfortable. I ask again, is that what God is offering us in our text? Is that what Paul experienced himself when he writes about being comforted by God? And the answer is no. I said a moment ago that the word comfort has gone really soft in modern English. Here's the original meaning of the word. Here's the etymology of the word. It comes from Latin. It's made up of two Latin words. The first is a prefix, com, C-O-M, which intensifies whatever the word is. And then the Latin word fortis, which means to be strong. We have in English words like fort. Fortify, fortification, comfort. They're all from the same root. It means to fortify. It means to make strong. And so comfort means to make you in the midst of whatever you're facing, a strong person. It's not to make you comfortable. It's not to make it so you no longer have a care in the world. It's not to make it so you live a life of ease. That's not biblical comfort, and that's not reality. Now, with that understanding of what the word comfort means, let's go back and reread verses three and four. You can read it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all strength, who makes us strong in all our affliction so that we may be able to make strong those who are in any affliction with the strength which with, with, with which we ourselves are made strong by God. In other words, when God comforts you, he puts steel in your spine. That's what it's talking about. He puts courage in your heart. He puts a divine perspective in your spirit. He comes alongside of you with all the resources of heaven. That is biblical comfort. With that in mind, let's go back to Webster's Dictionary, because there are other definitions in the dictionary of the word comfort that reflect a biblical understanding of the word. The the verb to comfort, Webster says, means to soothe in distress or sorrow, to ease the misery or grief of, to bring consolation or hope to, to help and to aid. That's making somebody strong, isn't it? There's a familiar passage of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4 where Paul doesn't use the word comfort, but he basically illustrates our text from 2 Corinthians 1. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And we're going to see as we go beyond verse um, 7 of our text in 2 Corinthians, Paul connects prayer with comfort, as we shall see in the verses that follow. So don't be anxious, turn your anxieties to prayers. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, notice he uses a military word, a fortification word, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace that passes all understanding will do what? In times of trial and anxiety. Put you at ease, make you comfortable make you pain-free, help you to live like you don't have a care in the world? No. What does the text say? God's peace will fortify. It will guard your heart and your mind. It will protect you from being overwhelmed by whatever it is you're facing. That is biblical comfort. It doesn't mean the trial will necessarily disappear. It doesn't mean the tears will be quickly dried. It doesn't mean the storm will dissipate. But as the storm rages around you, you will experience a deep sense that all is well. When sorrows like sea billows roll, it is well with my soul. That's biblical comfort. When in the midst of sea billows, if you will, all is well. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, I can still say, it is well with my soul. Some of you will recall that Paul had a lifelong affliction of some kind. He describes it in... um, 2 Corinthians 12, he calls it a thorn in the flesh. He never defines what it is. There's a lot of surmising as to what that perhaps was. My own view is that it was a physical affliction of some kind. And Paul says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he would take this affliction away from me, but God did not take it away as long as Paul lived. Instead, the Lord comforted him by giving him this promise, the Lord said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. That's biblical comfort. Hebrews chapter 4, the writer is writing to Jewish believers, hence the title of the book, Hebrews. Jewish believers who were in time of great need, great trial, uh, facing overwhelming persecution, wondering if they should turn back from the Christian faith. All these things that were overwhelming to them. And I want you to notice what the writer says in Hebrews chapter 4. Starting with verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, Let us hold fast our confession. And what is our confession? If this were a Bible study, we would go back and look at the opening verses of Hebrews chapter 3. The confession being that Jesus is the one sent from God, that he is the great high priest who has paid in full for all of our sins on the cross, that he is the one who has opened the way to eternal life, has opened the way for us to enter into God's presence. And the writer says, when you're going through a tough time, hold on to that reality. Lay hold of the fact that Jesus Christ's ministry was for you. He came into the world for you. He died for you. He opened the door to heaven for you. Hold on to that truth. Same thing that Paul is talking about in our text. Focus on God, who He is, what He's done. The Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. Don't lose sight of that. The Apostle says in 2 Corinthians. Now notice verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This Jesus who came for you, this Jesus who died for you, this eternal word, one with the Father, who came into this world, became flesh and dwelt among us. This one has full understanding of what you and I go through. This one is able to fully enter into and sympathize with what we're experiencing. And since that is true, verse 16, let us then, let us therefore, if that is true, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. With confidence. With a free and open outpouring of your heart, lay your needs before him and you will find abundant grace and mercy to help in your need, in your trial, in your suffering, in your afflictions. And that again is biblical comfort. Let me say it for about the fourth time. It is not making you comfortable, but it's making you strong. It's equipping you to emerge victorious. It is quieting your spirit. It is giving you that settled sense that indeed all is well in the grace of God. That's comfort. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you will be familiar with his name, a great German Lutheran theologian during the Hitler era, um, He was a a church leader who stood against the state-dominated, the Nazi-dominated state church. And he was one of the great leaders in what was called the Confessing Church in Germany. He was opposed to Hitler. He was opposed to Nazism. He was arrested by the Gestapo in uh, 1943, and he languished in a Nazi prison camp. In 1945... He uh, wrote a poem to his fiancée, Maria von Wedemeyer was her name, and the poem was simply entitled New Year, 1945. And what makes this poem so poignant is the Nazis executed him on the 9th of April that year, 1945. But as New Year dawned, he wrote a poem to his fiancée, and the third stanza is uh, particularly noteworthy. Here's how it reads, should it be ours to drain the cup of grieving, even to the dregs of pain, at your command we will not falter, thankfully receiving all that is given by your loving hand. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, I don't know who I've been talking to this morning. Yes, everybody in this room, of course. But maybe there's somebody who particularly needed to hear this message. Somebody who particularly needed a word of hope. A word of encouragement. The promise that you are with that person in whatever is coming. Whatever that person is in the midst of, Lord, for that one or maybe more than one who needed to hear this beautiful, powerful word from your apostle, Lord, uh, may it find good lodging and root in that person's heart, and Lord, in each of our hearts. If we're not going through a time of deep affliction now, or great loss, or overwhelming trial, we have in the past and we will in the future. So there is a comfort for us. There is a hope for us. There is a stability for us. Lord, uh, give us grace that through the strength and indwelling of your Holy Spirit, that we might be firm and strong, not in ourselves, not happy talk that all is well, I just go whistling down the road of life and the sun is always shining and, yep, I'm doing fine, I'm always fine, but that we can be honest. We can face up honestly to our struggles, let others in on them, And know that there is a strengthening, there is a fortification, there is a comfort that will always see us through. It is your comfort from heaven. Blessings and peace on your word this day. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen.